Well, we were flooded with voicemails yesterday defending the president. I think this is the most voicemails we've ever gotten in one day. And the consensus is that we need to give President Trump the benefit of the doubt. He has earned that. He always seems to figure out a way to win. He hasn't let us down until now. So he has earned the chance to prove himself, which is a fair point. I like that point. In fact, I like all of your points. We'll get to more of your voicemails coming up. Senator Kamala Harris has kicked off her campaign for President 2020 in liberal Oakland, California. She held a rally there. More than 20,000 people attended her rally. That's more than Obama got when he announced his candidacy. So she is popular. In this rally, she spoke. She attacked President Trump for keeping kids in cages. She literally said that, and she pledged to fight for socialist policies. Uh, She says that health care is an absolute right, and she supports Medicare for all. She supports debt-free college, which essentially means uh, government-funded college, free college tuition, which is another Bernie Sanders policy, and she wants to repeal Trump's tax cuts for the rich. She says she's going to repeal Trump's tax cuts. Hey, vote for me. I'll raise taxes. So this is the new Democrat Party. The scary part is not that Kamala Harris has these socialist views and she's so incredibly popular, but that she's considered mainstream. Some people actually consider her a moderate Democrat. Welcome to the new Democrat socialist Sanders Ocasio-Cortez Kamala Harris party. We're going to keep an eye on this. Uh, All right. President Trump tweeted that Howard Schultz doesn't have the guts to run against him. That's a quote from Trump's tweet. And it sounds to me like he's baiting Howard Schultz to run in 2020 as an independent third-party candidate. Trump knows that would actually be a huge boost for his campaign. Okay, back to the wall, back to the shutdown. The Democrats who sit there talking about how this medieval wall, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, Kamala Harris also called it medieval, this 5th century solution, solution to put up a wall to prevent illegals from coming in. Now, is eating potatoes a medieval solution when you're hungry? They ate meat and potatoes in the 5th century. You're eating potatoes? You need a more modern solution when you're hungry to satisfy your hunger. You know, we wear clothing. Well, they wore clothing in the Dark Ages. They wore clothing in the 5th century. You're wearing clothing? I mean, how outdated. Were you a caveman? You know, they had houses and doors. Just because they used it in the 5th century doesn't mean that it still isn't working very well. Still not a great solution. You know you know why I'm not able to break into the White House or to Google or New York Times headquarters or to Obama and Pelosi's house? You know why? Because they're surrounded by walls. Walls prevent people from getting into your property. And if illegals are sneaking across the border and there's a big 20-foot wall or steel slats or whatever barrier, I don't care about the semantics, they won't be able to get across or at least it'll be severely diminished their ability to get across. Why is that a fifth century solution? All right, so your voicemails, many of you are very optimistic and I really respect your optimism and admire it. You say, listen, President Trump has a game plan here. We need to be patient and see what he comes up with after three weeks. You know, so some of you are telling me he'll shut down the government again in three weeks, which he has threatened to do. I, I, I really would be very surprised if after this shutdown, he shuts it down again. But a lot of you are telling me he's going to declare the state of emergency or at least the border national emergency. 
and you're telling me that by November 2020, it'll get through the courts and he'll have funding in place. Even if he doesn't have a wall, if he has the funding in place by 2020, I think that's enough. And let me be clear. Having the wall is not the biggest deal to me. Yes, I actually will be fine if he doesn't have a wall in 2020 as long as he gets reelected. There's two priorities here, getting Trump reelected and getting the wall. And to me, getting him reelected by far trumps, no pun intended, trumps having a wall. In other words, if you would tell me, listen, we're not going to get the wall, but he will figure out a way to get reelected in 2020. I won't be thrilled. I think this really is a, a major crisis down at the border, but I'll be more than happy with that because the main thing is getting Trump reelected, all of his other policies. It's not just the wall. The wall is just one of many, many conservative policies that he has implemented to make the United States great again, to make America great again. Now, uh, look, it, it, I agree with you that he had to close, that he had to reopen the government. You know, his poll numbers were tanking. The economy was tanking. So he needed to do that. That was not my criticism. The question just is, is there a game plan in place? Now, a lot of you said to me, listen, President Trump, the Democrats keep saying, we'll negotiate. You just got to reopen the government. Trump needed to call their bluff, give them the three weeks, and then he'll have the leverage and say, you promised that you'd negotiate, Nancy, after we reopen, but you still didn't negotiate. Now, what if Pelosi says, well, I did negotiate. I don't like any of your offers. So we'll have to wait and see. That's the big question to me. What is the game plan moving forward? Now, one listener made a great point. He said, listen, President Trump, he's ready to invoke this national emergency, declare the national emergency right at this second. But if he does that, then the Democrats... The media, they'll all go haywire. Oh, look, national emergency. He didn't negotiate. He needs the three weeks to prove that the Democrats are refusing to budge. They're refusing to give him even a single penny for this wall. And then he's going to say, listen, I tried. I did everything I could. I exhausted every single option. And I think that's a really interesting point. That may be the strategy here. you know. But the people who say to me, listen, look at what he was doing. Federal workers not getting paid, ruining the economy. And they say it's not worth it for a border wall. I, we could debate that. I, I would maybe agree with you. But what I keep trying to emphasize is it's not just about the wall. This is about the reelection in 2020. Because if the Democrat opponent says Trump promised a wall and he didn't give you the wall, and by the way, if they throw in Obamacare, which they didn't really repeal Obamacare, then that could be catastrophic. So that's my real concern. But we're all on the same team. President Trump is the most conservative president since Ronald Reagan. His policies have been extremely successful, and he single-handedly resuscitated the Republican Party, which was in total shambles post-Obama. And he defeated Hillary, and, and it's possible that no other Republican candidate could have. So Trump undoubtedly is the, is the guy we have to support here, and my support for him has been unwavering, and I think most of you realize that. You know, there are some conservatives out there who are abandoning ship. If Trump doesn't give us a wall, then he's a failure. And that is ludicrous. He's the best thing that happened to conservatives since since Ronald Reagan almost 40 years ago. All right, one more point before we move on. The Wall Street Journal, they say the game plan for President Trump. Now, at this point, he should offer Nancy Pelosi everything she could ever imagine, everything under the sun, an incredible immigration reform that the Democrats have been dreaming about. Uh, and no pun intended again there all right, with these puns today. But, you know, a dreamer solution, a DACA solution that uh, that she literally cannot refuse, a permanent DACA solution. Now, we could debate this. Some conservatives won't be happy. But this is the Wall Street Journal. They say, here's what you do. Offer Pelosi 
every Democrat immigration solution under the sun. And she has two choices. If she says no, then she's literally throwing her own supporters under the bus. And then a lot of Democrat uh, voters, a lot of Hispanics and a lot of immigrants are going to say, well, how could she abandon us like that? Trump offered her something that we've been desperate for all these years. And that would be an absolute nightmare for Pelosi. If she says yes, then Trump does get his wall funding. That's the Wall Street Journal strategy. Now, the question is, how would conservatives respond if Pelosi says yes, or even if she doesn't say yes, but if Trump even makes the offer and they start talking about amnesty, that could also be damaging to Trump. So we're going to have to wait and see. Okay, the head of NATO, Jens Stoltenberg, went on Fox on Sunday praising President Trump. He announced that NATO members will be increasing their defense spending by a huge margin here in the next two years. They're increasing defense by $100 billion. So NATO members, the Europeans, not the United States, will be boosting their defense spending to a an extra, an additional $100 billion over the next two years. And he credited, this head of NATO credited President Trump and his insistence that NATO members pay their fair share. This is huge because remember, the Democrats were frantic. President Trump talked very tough against NATO and he threatened NATO. And they said, you can't do that. You can't threaten our allies. Here, President Trump, he's so nice to North Korea. He's so nice to Russia and to these other countries and to our enemies. And yet he talks tough to our own allies, to Europe. How could he do this? He's going to get us kicked out of NATO. He's going to alienate all of our friends. And it turns out that Trump not only helped the United States, but actually helped NATO themselves by getting them to fund more in defense spending. And unlike Obama, who was basically a doormat and basically hurt everybody in the process. See, liberals don't understand. Talking tough is not a bad thing. Tough love can actually be very beneficial, especially with your allies. Liberals don't see that you need to be gentle, you need to roll over, and essentially you need, you need to let other countries abuse you and take advantage of you. That was the Obama mentality. And they can't understand a guy like President Trump actually showing strength and, yes, actually threatening and uh, benefiting everybody in the process. All right, a new poll, this is fascinating, from the Kaiser Foundation. It's being touted by the left. This is about Medicare for All. And the folks on the left are saying, this shows how popular Medicare for All is. Ocasio-Cortez and Sanders are right. And it turns out, if you look more carefully, the poll shows the exact opposite. So here are your numbers. 71%, which is shocking, support the idea of Medicare for all if it would if they're told it would guarantee health insurance as a right for all Americans. Now, that is troublesome. I'll grant you that. 67% say if it would eliminate premiums and reduce out-of-pocket costs, they're all in on Medicare for all. But wait, when they're actually told the negatives of Medicare for all, suddenly it plunges. So when they're told that it would eliminate private health insurance companies or require most Americans to pay more in taxes, that number drops to 37%. So it basically drops, almost cut, gets cut in half when they're told, yeah, people will actually have to pay for it. Medicare for all is not some magical program where the money just uh, comes down from the sky. The, the, ta taxpayers are going to have to actually fund Medicare for all when they're told that it would threaten the existing Medicare program, then the support falls to 32%. And when they're told it would lead to delays in people getting medical tests and treatments, then it goes down to 26% with 70% opposing. So theoretically, 71% love the idea, free health care. Hey, everybody, party time, free health care. But then when you tell them, 
all the downsides, when you tell them how badly it's going to impact health, the healthcare system, when you tell them how much it's actually going to cost the country, then suddenly uh, they have second thoughts. Now, what does this prove? People don't like socialism. See, they love hearing the benefits of socialism. But it's proved. It, what it really proves is that people are being misled and misinformed by politicians who make it sound like, hey, you know, we don't have to worry about paying for it. Just we'll give out free stuff and don't even think about who's going to pay for it. When they actually hear the facts, when they actually hear the cost, then they realize how absurd it sounds to have rich people basically funding the entire country's health care, the entire country's food and all these other socialist programs. So this actually shows how opposed most people are to socialism. Although, as I said, the tides are changing. All right. NBC's Tom Brokaw, Tom Brokaw, senior contributor. He's, in my mind, one of the big faces, the poster boy for NBC. He's a former NBC News anchor, very liberal, and he came under fire from fellow liberals. Here we go, for saying that Hispanics need to do a better job at assimilating in this in this country, in the United States. So he says Hispanics, they need to teach their kids English and they need to assimilate more with the culture and not be so insular, which many Hispanic communities are in the United States. And the liberals pounced on him. He apologized profusely on Twitter. And, you know, amazing. We always point this out, how the people who invented PC, the people who invented political correctness, then they themselves get burned by it. So here's Tom Brokaw saying Hispanics need to assimilate. They come to this country and they don't learn English and they stay insular in their community. They don't, uh, you know, uh, contribute to the greater community at large and criticizing them for it. And he gets pounced on. He gets attacked. And Brokaw said nothing wrong here. If you come to the United States and you have your own isolated culture, then you're not helping society. You're not contributing and uh, what you're really doing is, in a way, you're really hurting society. So Brokaw says, you got to assimilate. You know, you got to come here. It doesn't mean that they need to completely give up their culture. It just means they have to learn English and just be a part of things and not just act like, you know, they don't even want to be here. You know, that was his point. But again, his own people outraged by these comments, and he apologized profusely. All right, the Treasury is set to borrow a trillion dollars for the second year in a row to cover the explosive deficit, the budget deficit is nearly a trillion dollars, uh, and we are borrowing another trillion dollars to try to pay for it. No end in sight. I haven't heard a single politician talking about cutting spending other than good old Rand Paul. Iran has been talking tough lately against Israel. They've elevated the rhetoric. They've threatened to destroy Israel, and that's nothing new, but it's coming more frequently right now. And this is sort of a good sign. Iran is reeling from the latest round of attacks by Israel. And, uh, you know, we do need to take these threats seriously from Iran. I, I never make light of these comments, but it's sort of a good sign in the sense that it means these airstrikes by Israel are working. Iran feels very threatened right now, and nobody seems to be defending them. They're really on their own. They're really isolated there in their fight against Israel. Uh, the Supreme Court has refused to hear a case of a high school football coach who was fired because he prayed with his students on the field. And, of course, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals upheld the firing. It came before the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has not taken on the case at all. They haven't sided either with, with either side. The school says that this coach alienated community members by showing a devotion to a religion on the field and by praying with students on the field. How outrageous is this? The, the, the twisted, demented perspective of these liberals is that religious people who are praying 
are radical. They're radical. And if you're religious, that causes disunity. That was their word. Disunity in the local community because this person prays with his students. And this is we've seen this before. This is an attack against religion. It's an attack against anything sacred. If you're religious, the liberals believe that there is something wrong with you, unless you're Muslim. If you're Muslim, then they'll give you respect. They'll bend over backward. But any other religion and there's something wrong with you. You're a freak of nature. Now, the conservative justices made it very clear. They said they did not agree. The fact that they didn't take on this case, they did not agree with the ruling of the Ninth Circuit upholding the firing. They say they simply lack the informa- enough information to be able to accept this case, to look at this case. But again, here we have Democrats and liberals with one mission, to destroy morality and anybody religious is marginalized. There's something wrong. It's like they have a disease. you know. And by the way, that's why they celebrated this abortion law in New York after it passed, we told you, because this was a victory for immorality and uh, a, a victory against religion. And anything sacred, that, that's how they view this. And, and, and they're willing to kill babies just to advance that agenda and just to make that, that political point. All right, that's going to do it on this busy Monday, and we will see you next time.